Well, it's good to be back here again this morning after being gone the last uh, two Sundays. And, uh, you know, I, I miss not being here on a Sunday morning. And uh, it's, it's always a blessing to be here. And I appreciate the, the service uh, so far. <clears throat> like uh, Vani alluded to, she didn't, I guess, specifically mention, but... Um, we did have an enjoyable time in Kansas with my family and uh, was, was very grateful for that time. Uh, we, we got home last sun, Monday afternoon <clears throat> after driving all night on Sunday night. It was uh, neat. This was the first time in the last, I guess it's going on uh, 28 years, or it's a little over 28 years that we're married, but this is the first time that we were actually able to take in wheat harvest while we're out there, and it was actually a couple weeks late, but we were able to take in uh, the tail end of that, which was great. Mom is doing well, and um, we were able to help with my niece's outdoor wedding, getting set up for that, and, and had, a, had nice weather for that. One of Mom's traditions is that when we come home, uh, she gets out her, our personalized mugs, and uh, we drink, uh, have our coffee, our tea from our own mugs uh, when we're visiting. It's probably been 40 years ago, uh, more than, uh, yeah, around 40 years ago, I was probably a young teen when our family visited Hot Springs, Arkansas, and a pottery shop there and we were just fascinated with them making pottery and um, watching them make various things. And it was at that point when mom and dad ordered these mugs for us. Um, and we've had them ever since. We use them regularly um, or use them a lot. And then as we got married, they ordered mugs for each of the in-laws. And, and as the grandchildren came along for each of us. And so this is what awaited us on the Sunday morning when we arrived. Uh, it was on the counter there. Uh, with a fresh pot of coffee. Um, You know, the style of the mugs has changed over the years, and each one of them is unique. There's no two of them that are alike, and um, it's just, it's a special memory. This morning's message is entitled, The Potter and the Clay. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to Jeremiah 18. I was intrigued that Lauren's devotional was taken from Jeremiah 17. And uh, what Lauren had to share this morning certainly ties right into what uh, the Lord has laid on my heart and what I want to focus on here uh, this morning. Starting in verse 1, the word that came from Jeremiah, came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, working at his wheel, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord 
came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I build, that I will build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Now therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return, everyone from his evil way, and amend your ways and your deeds. But they say, That is vain. We will follow our own plans, and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. So we have here where Jeremiah is being called asked by God to go to the potter's house and to receive more instruction from God there. It's interesting. Jeremiah readily goes. Uh, he just he picks up and goes. There was no question whether God, what God had instructed him to do. And then he gives a message to Jeremiah regarding Israel. And um, he gives two different scenarios. You know, if God intended one thing, intended to do evil, um, and they repent, he's going to change his mind. He will relent. And on the other hand, if he's determined he wants to bless someone, and they're disobedient to him, and they disregard what he says, he will bring disaster on them. And so God is reminding Israel through Jeremiah here, or is reminding Jeremiah that Israel, there's disaster looming over those that reject God. But he's also, at the same time, he's urging repentance. He's urging, he's extending mercy uh, because it is available even in their sinful ways. And I, I want us to look at this, and, and this is obviously focused on the nation of Israel. Uh, but there's some important things here that I think we can learn about God this morning. And um, there's also, obviously, some limitations as with any analogy. <clears throat> Potters and pottery were very common at the time that this would have been written. Uh, there was probably multiple potters around. I don't know that it mattered where he went. Pottery was actually a necessity for them. It was the primary place of storage for food, liquids, and other materials. And, and so it was, it was very, uh, very common and it was very necessary. Um, and these potters were in the business of making the kinds of vessels that were going to be useful to their customers. It wasn't expensive, and it was quite fragile, because obviously if you drop a piece of pottery, it will probably break. Um, but it also was durable, and, if, and it could be used regularly and for a long time. Probably at this time, about 3,000 years ago, a potter would have sat at a wheel and probably turned the wheel with his feet 
while uh, working with his hands uh, and molding the piece of clay uh, into something useful as the wheel turned. He would use his hands to gently shape this mass of clay into something that is actually useful. And uh, it would, he would just shape it with his, his fingers. And then after it was shaped, it would be put into a hot oven or a kiln to harden the clay and so that it would retain its shape and be, actually be useful. And today, pottery is still made in a very similar way, um, except there's electricity to turn the wheel and to fire the kiln and, and so forth. So what, what can we learn from Jeremiah? What can we learn from the potter and this, this example, this uh, analogy that God gave to Jeremiah 3,000 years ago? What is the word of God for each one of us today and for us collectively as a church? There's one thing for sure, that God is the potter, and that's pretty evident uh, in various places. Every time this analogy is used in Scripture, God is the potter. Isaiah 64, verse 8, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. So there's various times this symbolism of the potter and the clay used throughout Scripture. It's mentioned both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Think about when the first time this is used in Scripture. And you may not necessarily think about it in this way, but it's actually in Genesis 2. Verse 7, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. It says dust. Well, first of all, formed. And the definition of the Hebrew word used here for formed is to form or to fashion, to create, to mold into a form, to squeeze into shape. And dust uh, could be translated multiple ways, including dust, loose earth, soil, clay, or mud. Obviously, dust in, in the form of dust can't really be shaped into anything, but with a little bit of moisture, it becomes clay, and that can be shaped into it. And so here we have God, the potter, literally molding and shaping Adam from dust or clay, just like a potter does. Not on a potter's wheel, but that's where we see this. So God is the potter, and the potter is the one that is in control. He is the one that controls the clay and the wheel. And um, here, we this is obviously referring to the sovereignty of God, and God is sovereign. At the same time, his, in his sovereignty, he has delegated free will to mankind giving us the power to make choices, both good and bad. In saying that God is sovereign, I'm not saying that God is deterministic or that he dictates the outcome. He does not override our capacity to make choices. 
But it's easy, it's very easy for us, for humanity to live as if God or the potter doesn't even exist. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that God is ultimately in control uh, of the universe. Even though we know that intellectually, we don't always act that way. Um, I know I don't. You know, how many times do we make choices or plow ahead doing something without prayer and asking for God's guidance? You know, we're trying to do it in our own strength. Or when something fails, we just go about fixing it without ever asking God. Or we just simply rely on our own skills and abilities to solve whatever may, uh, may come up. And there's times when things happen that simply don't make sense. Um, there's multiple examples in the last couple of years of a young, dedicated life being snatched from this life, just uh, tragically. And, uh, or there's maybe there's sinful or unethical behavior that results in so-called success. Uh, it looks like there's just success regardless how they live. We can ask why these things happen, and it's okay to do that, and yet probably we will never fully understand why on this side of eternity. But there, there's, there's, uh, there's reason or there's logic behind it. There's purpose behind it. But we can rest in the reality that God, the potter, is in control and that there is reason and purpose in everything. A potter knows what is best. You know, I've frequently thought I have a good idea of what is best for me only to find out that that's not in agreement with what God wants to do with me or what he, even what he knows is best for me. He created us with the freedom to make our own decisions and that includes the freedom to make choices that violate and are contrary to what he knows is best. Whether our choices are good or bad, they will always have consequences. And at the same time, God always honors a repentant heart. There's, uh, there's always room to repent. It's never too late to repent. But that doesn't uh, eliminate the consequences either. And at any given time, regardless how enlightened we are, we can only see a microscopic sliver of the picture that God sees. And uh, so we really have very little, very little understanding, a very limited understanding of what God is attempting to accomplish. We think we know what to do. But most times when we rely on our own human abilities and reasoning, we will end up making very foolish mistakes. And I say that uh, from a personal perspective in saying that. A potter decide, the potter also decides when to intervene. You know, when a potter is, is spinning, making a, uh, an object on the wheel, and if he discovers a foreign object or a tiny piece of hardened clay in there, the vessel that's being created is damaged and flawed. 
I remember all those years ago when we were in Hot Springs that this potter was making this nice piece of pottery. I don't remember exactly what it was. It was looking, it was taking definite shape. And then all of a sudden, without warning, he stopped the wheel, got a knife, and cut a hole in the side of it. And basically mashed everything down, started the wheel again, and started over. He said there was a little lump in there. And it was never going to be, it wasn't going to work if he didn't remove that. And, um, and I don't remember if he ended up making the same thing or not. But that's a picture of what God needs to do in our lives sometimes. When there's those hardened pieces of clay or foreign object that's there, it will mean that he needs to start over in, in some of those areas of our life <clears throat> and remove it. And then lastly, the potter determines what kind of a vessel to make. He determines whether it is a frequently used one, one that's occasionally used, one that's easily noticed, or one that serves its purpose staying in the cupboard. Our humanity tends to assign differing values based on visibility and frequency of use. When in reality is that the key to success or the, the key is just simply being the vessel that God created us to be. Everyone is equally valuable and important in his eyes. Then we're the clay. I'm the clay, you're the clay. The church is the clay in this passage in Jeremiah. The nation is the clay. All of humanity is the clay. And it's how we respond uh, to what the potter is doing uh, that makes a difference. Now, what are some characteristics of clay? Several words that come to my mind is useless, worthless, messy, shapeless, powerless and ignorant. And none of those are particularly flattering words, and it sounds pretty depressing and hopeless, doesn't it? And yet, I think that describes me and probably all of us in pretty accurate terms in a lot of ways as well. Clay is also completely, you know, apart from being in the potter's hands. That, that's the condition we are. Clay is also completely inanimate. It's not living. It's, it can't have an opinion. It can't have a voice. Uh, there's no decisions. So this analogy is not uh, perfect, like I said earlier, but it gives us a little bit of picture. So we're this hunk of shapeless, meaningless, clay until it's made into something useful in the hands of the potter. Only the potter has the capability of shaping that hunk of clay into something useful. Today there's a lot of emphasis on the importance of not damaging one's self-esteem or to make sure that we have good self-esteem, self-worth, and that we know what our own identity is in order for 
us as individuals to be successful. But the bottom line is that we are worthless and useless in and of ourselves, period, from, a, from an internal perspective. Maybe from an earthly perspective, there's a sense of, of purpose and value that can be derived, but, but it will never really find fulfillment in life. Second Timothy 2 says this, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, Some are for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Now, this is not directly talking about uh, a potter in that way, but it's talking about vessels. And what strikes me here is that the only way that we can are of any value is when we allow ourselves, like Lauren said this morning in devotional, to be set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. It's when we avail ourselves to the master and allow him to cleanse us and make us what he wants to be that we are of any value. Our identity... And our self-worth, our self-esteem, if you will, should not come as a result of who we think we are, but from what God is making us into. It's, it's not anything that we have done of ourselves. And in addition to that, the only way that we can ever possibly see a need for salvation even is to see our own hopelessness and sinfulness as just a useless lump of clay. The clay on the potter's wheel doesn't resist. Now, every time I've watched a potter working, the clay has been completely pliable and submissive. My question to you is, how do we respond to God when He starts shaping us into something that we really don't want to be or think that we have the ability to be? What is our reaction when God is trying to make us into something better, something more? Do we rebel? Do we kick and scream? Do we say, stop it? Do we get up off the wheel and walk away from the potter? Obviously, clay can't do that but we as humans can. We have that choice. And what, what is it that, how do we respond to the potter? When we do this, when we challenge, when we rebel, when we ask God to stop it, we are essentially challenging whether God is really God. Because we're saying to God, you don't know what you're doing. And that is that is an attack on the character of God. I know that there's been times in my life that I've reacted wrongly because it didn't make any sense what God was trying to do with my life. Through those experiences, I've realized that I was questioning who God is by challenging Him 
on what he was do why he was doing something to me. I don't I still don't fully understand the why, but there's peace that comes in knowing that God is the potter and he's doing what he has determined is best for me. And then like I already mentioned that hardened clay and foreign objects interfere with the potter's work. As clay is exposed to the air, it will harden and lumps will be formed. Um, and one way of thinking about this is just our attitudes. Improper attitudes will lead to hardness in certain areas of life. These wrong attitudes hinder the potter's ability to create us into what he wants. Any attitude that opposes surrender to God is one that will create lumps in our lives. Let me just restate that. Any attitude that opposes surrender to God will create lump, hard lumps in our lives. And surrender, at first I had uh, in my notes written here that there's an attitude of unconditional, anything that opposes unconditional surrender. But surrender doesn't need a modifier. It is unconditional. It is total. It is putting oneself at the mercy, at the complete mercy of someone that was a previous adversary, if you will. That is what surrender is. It is giving myself up completely into the hands of another, not knowing what they will do to me. And so that is what I believe is so critical, that any attitude that opposes surrender to God is one that will create hard lumps in our lives. There can also be foreign matter that interferes with the potter uh, in his creation of a useful vessel. Satan's kingdom is attacking anything in God's kingdom and trying to infiltrate our lives with these foreign objects. And these two are going to hinder the ability of the potter to do, to form what he wants, what he desires, and what he knows is best for us. It's sobering when we stop and think that we have the ability to interfere and even derail what Almighty God would like to do with us. Isn't that sobering? That we can actually... We can actually alter what God wants to do with our lives. But he gives us that freedom. Eventually the potter has to remove these lumps, the hard lumps and the foreign objects, and start over. Does he recreate the original design that he had set out to do, or is it something different? It probably depends. We don't know, but we do know that whatever God is making us, shaping us into, it will be useful in his kingdom because there are no insignificant or useless vessels that God creates. <clears throat> Every piece of pottery is unique. Pottery is handcrafted and unique. Even though you can get sets of pottery, every piece is still unique. The hands that formed each piece 
may have applied pressure at various places and to make it slightly different. And each one of us is being uniquely crafted by the potter as well. We may even have similar functions or roles, but our uniqueness must never be forgotten or questioned. God custom designs every one of us into what he wants to the extent that we allow him to do that. But it is what we, we have to allow it to happen. There's several points in uh, kind of wrapping things up here about the potter and the clay. The potter's purposes can only be fulfilled if we stay on the wheel. And I mentioned this. Unlike clay, we have the capacity of taking ourselves off the wheel and refuse to be molded by God. But it's only as we surrender, willingly surrender to the potter, that he can shape us into the vessel that he desires. Only as we submit, only as we surrender to his will can we know what his plan is for our lives. We've probably heard the statement, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to God. That's usually attributed to D.L. Moody. And he did say that, but he was quoting, but a friend had quoted it to him, which inspired him, Henry Varley. And that's something for us to think about, that the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to God. The potter's intentions will not always be immediately known. You know, there's not instant vessels made. We live in a climate of instant results, of microwave, of instant everything. Um, but this is not, that's not the way God works, and that's not the way that he works in, in shaping us. And the potter's desires are not identical for every person. We're each unique by design, and we will each have our own um, purpose, but yet each one is also designed to be useful. And his plan is always in our best interest. You know, we have human knowledge, but we have limitations. We may think we may know best and completely miss what God wants. God, the divine potter, not only wants what is best, he knows what is best for each one of us. And we can trust him for every aspect of our lives. And then lastly, the potter's vessels are functional. The potter is not making vessels or making ornaments for people to admire. But it's something that is functional. It is something that is... The vessels are designed to serve others, it's to help others, it's to, uh, to benefit others. And so uh, the vessels are designed to be functional. So I would like for you to just consider this morning, how do you believe God would describe you on his potter's wheel this morning? How would he describe me? Am I clay that is surrendered and being shaped into what God, God's design is? Am I full of lumps or are there other foreign objects in my life? Is God being forced to make me into something less 
because of my stubbornness. My challenge for you is that let's make a commitment to be clay that God can shape into what He desires. Let's rid our lives of all the hard lumps and foreign objects that slow or hinder His design for us. And let's surrender our own ambitions and desires for that of the potter. Last and certainly not least, let's savor being in the potter's hands. Think about that. Almighty God's hands shaping us into what he wants each one of us to be. Let's stand together for a closing prayer. <clears throat> Father, thank you for this picture of the potter and the clay. And I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of our true condition on the wheel that you're working on in front of us. I pray that as we go from here and as we live our lives, that we can be clay that you can shape into what you desire. I pray if there be hard lumps or other foreign materials in our lives that don't belong there, that you will enable us and that you will rid, us, rid those things of our lives. It will allow you to get rid of those things. And Lord, also that we would surrender our own ambitions and desires to your will. And that surrender is giving it, we're at your mercy to do what you desire to do with us. And enable us to savor, to enjoy the process of you making us into what you want us to be. We love you, we honor you, we want to, to worship you, we want to be vessels Use, useful to your kingdom. Just ask that you would dismiss us now with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.